Welcome to Tairat Imecha Nachyomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Pamela Rafka Simonson, and today we will be studying Divrei Hayamim Beis, Perak Chavdalet, Chapter 24. When no one is looking, how dedicated am I? Does my tone of voice change when I suddenly notice someone else is there that I hadn't realised was? Do I sometimes find myself doing, but really not connecting? All questions I might want to candidly ask myself to examine my consistency in spiritual endeavour, to figure out whether I consciously consider Hashem being with me constantly, to understand how much I have internalised the depth behind what I do knowing how much it actually matters, how much Hashem wants me to succeed. The feeling of holding back, submissiveness to the impressions others will have of me, is a tool for developing deeper awareness of Hashem's constant presence. Hashem's constant desire for us to act in accordance with his wishes and our genuine focus, channeling those feelings, that reticence in the presence of others into our relationship with Hashem can be a powerful stride forward. When something isn't embedded, internalized, part of our inner consciousness, our choices and behaviors are more susceptible to outside influences. Could I tap into Hashem's constant presence, however isolated I might be, and try to become more consistent? And more than that, do I realise that the greatest love, admiration and support comes from Hashem? After a fragile process of ascension to the throne, Yoyash, the young king, rules over the southern kingdom with uprightness whilst under the mentorship of Yehoyada. But in the absence of his human guide, his ways fall vulnerable to the pull towards unholy pursuit. Yoyash's reign is introduced in Pesukim 1-2, telling us that he was in his seventh year when becoming king, He ruled in Yerushalayim for 40 years. His mother was Tzivya from Be'er Shava. And he did what was upright in Hashem's eyes all the days of Yehoyada the Kohen. In Malachim, it does actually say that Yehoyada taught Yoyosh. Malbim comments that Ezra is explaining here that he only did what was upright while Yehoyada was alive. But that after he died, Yoyosh sinned. Posuk 3 states that Yehoyada married two women and had sons and daughters. Malbim, drawing on the question of how he could have two wives being the high priest, explains that he married one after the other. Even though he was 90 years old, he married two young, previously unmarried women, as there are restrictions on who a Kohen can marry, and these wives died during his lifetime. 
Yoyash wants lechadesh as base Hashem, to renew the base Hamikdash, as it says in Posuk 4. And this is the subject of the Psukim up until Posuk 14. Malbim's position is that this is a different story from the parallel account found in the book of Kings 2, chapter 12. They are two different stories. There, it's telling about the Koihonim, priests, doing regular temple repairs. Here, in Divrei HaYomim Beis, it's talking about Yoyash wanting to restore the temple to its former beauty, as it was at the time of its building. For this, there would not be enough money from temple contributions. Additional funds would be required, which informs Yoyash's actions in the next few Pesachim. As Malbim continues in Posok 5, he instructs the Koyhanim and the Levim to go out to the cities of Yehuda and collect money for this purpose, and that they should do this annually and be hasty about it. The Levim don't hurry to the task, so Yoyash calls to Yehoyada, asking him why he didn't require the Levim to bring the money from Yehuda and Yerushalayim, which in Posok 6 is called... Masas Moshe Evet Hashem v'hakahal liYisrael la'ehel ha'edas, which Radak says was the half shekel that the Bnei Yisrael would give annually, and was commanded by Moshe that they bring it in the desert to the Mishkan, the portable temple. Malbim explains on Pasuk seven that Yoyash also wants the people to bring the half shekel contributions from the years that were missed when Atalia was queen. Atalia and her sons took this money for idol worship and the congregation is obligated to give other coins as compensation for this. To this end, Posuk 8, the king orders, Vayaasu arain echod, vayitnuhu basha'ar beis Hashem chutza. They made one chest, a box, and put it at the gate of the house of Hashem, outside. And it's announced in Yehuda and Yerushalayim that the people should bring this money to Hashem. Posuk 10. All the officers and the people rejoiced, and they brought and threw it to the Arain, the chest. Ad lechale, which Mitzurah's David explains to mean they brought money daily, until they had finished bringing, all of them, not one person was excluded. This being the half shekel making up for past years, says Malbim, this money would all go towards repairs in the temple, and the chest would get emptied daily, gathering the money from it daily for repairs, and then returning the chest to its place. In Psukim 12-14, to 14, the king and Yehoyada hand over money to managers, who hire stonecutters and craftsmen Hashem to renew the house of Hashem, the Beis HaMikdash. They also hire craftsmen of iron and copper Hashem to strengthen the house of Hashem. They perform the work and the end of Pasuk 13 says, which Malbim explains means that they renewed the temple's beauty and splendor. And when they finish, the remaining money is brought to the king and Yehoyada, and it's made into vessels for the temple, clay shores, service vessels, v'ha'alais, and pestles, according to one interpretation brought by Rashi, v'chapais, and pans, v'chle zahov v'chaseth, and gold and silver vessels. 
Malbum explains that these could be made using leftover money from the money that was collected retroactively in compensation for the years missed in the past that we mentioned earlier. This is different from the fund referenced in Sefer Malachim, where it was not allowed to be used for making vessels. End of Posuk 14. They brought up burnt offerings in the house of Hashem continually all the days of Yehoyada. Yehoyada then comes to the end of his life. Psukim 15 to 16. Vayizkan Yehoyada. Vayizba Yomim. Vayomos. Yehoyada became old, satiated with days, and he died. Ben Mea Ushloishim Shona Bamosi. He was 130 years old when he died. Vayikbaruhu Vir David Imham Lochim. They buried him in the city of David with the kings because he performed good with Yisrael and with Hashem and his house. Malbim says that he performed good with Yisrael refers to that he redeemed them from the rule of Atalia, the wicked woman, and he established the kingship of the house of David. And that he performed good with Hashem, says Metzodos David, refers to that he brought Yisrael closer to the service of Hashem, and his house, meaning Hashem's house, the temple. A shift happens after the death of Yehoyada, which we have mentioned previously. Inside Posuk 17, Bo'u sorry Yehoda, vayishtachavu melech, oz shomaha melech alehem. The officers of Yehoda came and prostrated themselves to the king. Then the king listened to them. Malbim explains the Midrash teaches that they deified Yoyosh. They did this on the basis of his having been in the area of the Holy of Holies in the Beis Hamikdash for so long, referring to when he was hidden there. But during Yehoyada's lifetime, Yoyosh had not listened to them. But now he did. Matsudas Dovid says his listening to them means he accepted their words. His being responsive to the deification is obviously problematic. And it only happens after his teacher has died. Malbim explains on Posuk 18 that after they make Yoyash a deity, they serve idols made in the likeness of Yoyash and Asherah trees planted in his name, and they forsake the temple of Hashem. And even though they do not serve other forms of idolatry, this practice of serving Yoyash in itself is literally idolatry, and it brings wrath upon Yehuda and Yerushalayim. Hashem sends prophets among the people to bring them back to Hashem. They warn them, this is based on Metzudas David's interpretation of Vayo'idu in Posuk 19. They warn them, but they do not listen. Posuk 20. V'ruach Elohim lovsha es Zechariah ben Yehoyodah hakohein. And the spirit of Hashem enveloped Zechariah, son of Yehoyodah the Kohen. He stood above the people. He said to them, So says Hashem. 
Ki azavtem es Hashem, vaya azayv eschem. Why do you transgress the commandments of Hashem? And you will not succeed because you have abandoned Hashem, and He has abandoned you. The response to this is tragic on numerous levels. They conspire against him, and at the order of the king, they stone Zechariah to death in the courtyard of the house of Hashem. Pasuk 22. Yoyash, the king, did not remember the kindness that his father Yehoyada had done with him. He killed his son. And as he died, he said, May Hashem see and demand. Matsuras David explains here, The kindness done for Yoyash by Yehoyada, the father of the one he killed, was his saving his life. He saved Yoyash's life and made him king. And Zechariah is saying, may Hashem see that they killed him for nothing and demand a vengeance. The last few psukim in this chapter describe punishments and we'll interpret them using Matsuras David. A year after the death of Zechariah, the army of Aram came to Yehuda and Yerushalayim and destroyed the officers of the people, only them, showing that this was a punishment for prostrating themselves to the king, the fact that only they were killed. The victory of the Aramean army in Yehuda was evidence of it being a result of divine providence as punishment because the army of the Arameans was small and Yehuda had a great army but the Arameans still succeeded. They also brought judgments, suffering upon Yoyash, and when they departed from him, leaving him with many ailments, Yoyash's servants conspired against him for vengeance for the blood of the sons of Yehoyada the Kohen, and they killed him on his bed. Vayamos, vayikbaruhu be'erdovid, v'loikavoruhu be'kivros hamalochim, he died, and they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the graves of the kings. The names of those who conspired against the king were Zovod, the son of Shimos, the Ammonite, and Yehozovod, the son of Shimres, the Moabite. The story of Yoyash's sons and prophecies about him and the story of him strengthening the temple are in the Midrash of the Book of Kings and Amatsyohu, his son, reigned in Yoyash's place. Going back momentarily to Posuk 25, it says that the servants of the king were killing him as a vengeance for the blood of the sons of Yehoyada, sons in the plural. Ralbag explains that Yoyash is being served this not only for killing Zechariah, but also for all of his descendants that he prevented from coming into the world also by killing Zechariah. It's devastating to consider that he took a life and prevented life. Devastating to consider that Yoyash was not resolute enough 
after his mentor's death, to stand up against being worshipped, to be consistent in acting with uprightness in Hashem's eyes. We started our study today talking about consistency in spirituality. I hope it will resonate to try to internalise a feeling of Hashem's constant presence and support. Thank you for studying together, Lelui Nishmas, Rose Foreman, Rachel Rachel Bas Ariel Leib, and Rachel Zeitlin, Rachel Bas Schleimer.